Welcome to Pet Chat on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, filling this, the shoes of Sarah Farley Adams. And I'm joined by Dr. Paul McCarthy and Cheryl Shaw. Welcome to you both. Thank you very much, Greg. Hi, Greg. What have you got planned for us today, guys? I thought I might talk about the colour of dogs' tongues. The colour? Yes. Unusual right. topic, isn't it? Very unusual. Mm. And yourself, Paul? I'm going to follow that with more conditions of the oral cavity. Right, so we're talking mouths, mouths. today, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Steve from Barnsley, and he's got some issues with his cat. How can we help you, Steve? G'day, mate. There's no issues. I just am curious if Cheryl knew about the breed. What breed of cat is it? It's a Chantilly. A Chantilly? Chantilly, yeah. Yeah. And what did you want to know about the Chantilly? Oh, just if you knew about them. Absolutely lovely little cat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they, my daughter's done some research. That's right. my daughter's cat. Very calm, a real talker. Um, uh, if I'm watching TV and... My daughter's not home. She just sits up on top of the armchair and occasionally flicks the tail across <laughs> me forehead. Um, um, and they're very affectionate too, aren't they, Steve? Extremely. Yeah. They yeah. were developed from a Berman and a Black Moggy in the States. Yeah. How old is your cat? I think she's a rescue that... Oh, we both think she's at least five, six years old. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Well, enjoy her. I'm sure you, you know, she's got a lovely home now that she's with you guys. I just thought you, you may have not heard of, heard of them. Yeah, no, we've heard of them in here, and so has Dr Paul. Yep, they're not an uncommon breed. Um, they, because they have an oriental line, most of those oriental cats are, are often quite vocal. Um, yes. and, and so, and you can, you can train those guys. Um, oriental cats are often very good at, at games like fetch and chase. Mm. Um, so they're often these guys who will learn to bring things back. So you could certainly try using those sort of techniques for that. But no, Vishen, the, the, there's a common link. A lot of those oriental breeds were mixed with other, other types of cats, um, to get different coat color types. And, and this is one of the breeds that had, had that created. Uh, well, this one, um doesn't really mat up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she just drops a clump. <laughs> yeah, they are they are a breed that you will need to do some grooming for. So yeah. they, oh, she gets yeah. groomed Perfect. very often. Perfect. Yeah, very good. Yeah, lovely. Thank you, Duke. Thanks for your call, Steve. Bye. Bye. So we got Sue from Cardiff, and she wants to know why her cat is eating plastic. Hi. How are you? Good, thanks, Sue. How can we help? I've got a black moggy. Um, his mother was a um, domestic cat. I think his father must have been feral. Um, plastic. I can't have a garbage bin lying around my kitchen tidy. And leave the loaf right on the, the bench. He eats the plastic. Yeah, so cats have a, a real thing about texture on their tongues. And so um, often what they're, they're, they're doing is they're enjoying the feel of the plastic. So we often have reports of cats who lick sort of laundry baskets or plastic garbage bins, um, but particularly plastic bags. Um, 
it, it's often a, a, a just a, a, a personality trait rather than anything that's just disease related. Um, and and fortunately, provided that the plastic is only in very small pieces or um, it isn't ingested in large volumes, mostly that will pass through if the cat does digest those sorts of things. But ideally, obviously, this is not great for the, the bowel to have, so removing the plastic would be good. You can try and do what's called displacement behaviours. So if you can see that your cat does like the texture of plastic, um, investing in some plastic toys um, yep. so that the cat can actually play with something that is the same texture on the tongue, but obviously not able to be swallowed or ingested as easily as a plastic bag. Yeah, because that's what I was worried about. He makes the plastic is well, they're going to get okay. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, they don't tend... Well, not not all cats will take large amounts, but often they just, they're just licking rather than necessarily chewing. Um, but if you can, as I said, displace that behaviour to a toy that will be hard to ingest, that would be a good way to try and get the behaviour redirected to a, a, a more um, uh, less risky behaviour. Okay, then. Thank you very much That's all right. Good luck. You too. Thank you. Bye. We're not sure... We've got Cherie now from Duns Creek, and she's got a couple of questions. And the first one is, why does a dog eat dirt? Yes. Um, yeah, he, he, he's a bit old. He's a Kelpie cross Belgian Shepherd. Um, and he's, from what we can work out, he's about 12-ish. Um, he get, there's plenty of fresh water. He's always got biscuits, gets little bits of meat treats, things like that. But he's got this insatiable thing that he'll dig a little bit and eat a bit of dirt. Yeah. A good mouthful or two of dirt. It, he doesn't seem to... I, I don't know. The most likely thing, Cherie, is that this is, again, um, a behavioural condition rather than it being medical. Um, yeah, cool. In the break, actually... Um, Cheryl and I were talking about a condition called pica, which is where animals will eat abnormal objects either due to behavioural disorders or due to nutritional disorders. Now, yeah. in this circumstance where nutritional disorder is unlikely to be the case because you're providing a good good nutritional diet, um, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is going to be a behavioural thing. Now, your breed types, being a Kelpie and a Belgian Shepherd, generally have a high level of anxiety as a, as a potential in their breed. Um, yep. both being quite highly strung working dogs. And often what dogs that have anxieties do is they create these sort of displacement behaviours that have them not worry so much about their world if they do these regular patterns. Okay. Um, and so it could be that one of the ways your dog has learned to cope with this mild anxiety is to dig this hole and perform this chewing of the dirt. Um, yes, for, fortunately, there's not going to be any health concerns about this. Um, yes, it's it's not, not an issue as far as the gastrointestinal tract goes. Um, you could redirect the behaviour, but in an older dog, if it's been something that they've always done at 12, no, it not. would be challenging. No, it's only been in the last six to 12 months that I've noticed him doing it. Yeah, so it could sadly then be the anxiety is rising then. Um, and what he's doing he's now is he's trying to do this. Is he an anxious dog normally? Nope, not at all. Yeah, so something's worrying him, I, I, I think. Um, all right, awesome. Yeah, so certainly have have a look whether there's any changes in the environment or any changes in the pattern of his day-to-day work. Um, sometimes dogs who are losing their vision or sight may become anxious about that, and so it yep. could be that there's some changes there. Um, always good to have a chat to your vet, your local vet, and have a check over if there are sudden behaviours in change. Sorry, sudden behaviour changes, because it can indicate that there are other conditions that they may be masking. Yeah, yeah, 
okay, awesome. I, I think, yeah, I think you, I think it's sort of just getting old and worrying about being old. Yeah, I see that you've also mentioned that he licks all the time. Not him, a friend of mine's dog who's a staffy, um, insatiably bloody just licks me. There is nothing I can really, she just... Yeah, <laughs> what she's trying to say is let's be friends, her. don't hurt me. Oh, she knows. She knows that I love it a bit. She of course, knows. yeah. Yes. But she, she, she believes the reason you do love it a bit is because she does this appeasement behaviour all the time. Oh, the licky thing! So I've got to stop her licking me. No, no, no. You don't need to stop her. You, what you can do is you can just turn away when she starts. And what you've said yep. to her by that body language is, "Thank you, but there's no need for that." But yep. what the licking is is she's trying to be um, make you good friends. So she's just reassuring that that friendship is there by performing these appeasement licking behaviours. Yep. Um, staffies often need to do a licking appeasement behaviour. My own dog does that, um, yep. and it's not it's not that you've actually caused any harm. It's just that they think by licking, you will not harm them. And so they're just reinforcing that behaviour and reinforcing that friendship each time. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, because it's an insatiable lick. It is like, yeah. Yep, and and what happens is that it makes him feel safer. So he wants that reassurance. He wants to feel safer, and so the licking continues. But you can certainly redirect it. If you just turn your back and say, we're all good, there's no need for that, you've given him the body language that says you're safe, the, the licking will diminish. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for that. And No worries. And let me move forward. Thank you. No worries, Sheree. Enjoy your day. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. It's Pet Chat on 2 URFM, 49216216. We've got Leslie from Salamander Bay, and she's got some very strange actions from a puppy. Oh, she's no puppy. She's, um, she'll be 14 in October. Um. Look, this really is bizarre. One of us needs a psychiatrist, I'm sure of it. <laughs> she, she's, um, she's on heart medication and also a diuretic. Mm-hmm. And she, I, I don't have a doggy dog, but she's really good. She's never, um, when she wants to go out, she'll go to the door and she'll have one bark or, you know, for as long as it takes me to get out of bed. Anyway, the story is, even when it's pouring rain, she has started to wake up through the night, one o'clock, three o'clock, whatever. And I let her out to go to the toilet. And when she takes a long time, I go looking for her. And she's going to the end of the um, pathway, um, which is a concrete pathway down the side of the house. And she hides underneath this big pot. Mm. And... It's really hard to get her out. Sure. And she's doing it constantly. I don't understand. Can I ask what breed your dog is, Leslie? Yeah, she's a Shih Tzu cross Maltese. Yeah, okay. So um, there are are sadly probably a couple of things that are happening. The first most likely is that in combination with the, the heart condition is that the brain won't be getting quite as much oxygen all the time as it would have done with a healthy heart. And so we've got the situation where the the oxygenation to the brain is reducing and therefore some of the synapses and the actual information that that brain's able to process is either processed slowly or not processed well. And we call this condition a cognitive dysfunction. In humans, we call this condition dementia. 
And so okay. what often happens is that dogs who have um, either a, an aging brain, so where the, the cells themselves are aging um, by natural, natural causes, if we add to that aging brain a brain not getting quite as much oxygen over time, the dogs will start to develop patterns of behaviour that are abnormal. And they're often what we call repeated patterns. So they perform the same procedure the same way each time. And that um, behaviour often is done as a nocturnal behaviour in that the behaviours that they would normally have been doing during daytime or during the nighttime uh, become confused for the dog. And so they often start doing behaviours that they would normally do during the daytime at night. And they may start doing behaviours that they don't actually know they're doing as that uh, as, as cognitive dysfunctions start to escalate. Okay. So um, there are uh, the, the diuretics you are on are going to make the dog need to go to the toilet much more frequently than normal. And so the sleep yeah. patterns will also be disturbed. Yeah. Now, dogs who have chronic sleep disturbances often develop behavioural abnormalities as well as their brains are fatiguing and so therefore they often perform very unusual behaviours. The last cause could also be that in a dog that has both Maltese and um, uh, Shih Tzu in them is that they can develop um, fear anxiety and so it may be that some sounds that they may be hearing or think they're hearing in the evening are scaring them and so what they are then doing is seeking these areas where they're hard to be reached and therefore hard to be hurt um, and so that that could be playing a role there as well There's, there may be an anxiety condition there. I think it would be a good opportunity for you to have a chat to your local vet and that there are medications we can use for cognitive dysfunction. There are medications for dementia-like signs in dogs and it may be beneficial okay. to start those. Um, and maybe also talk to them about um, having the oxygenation checked. You can do a, a pulse ox test at the, at the vets where they can measure the amount of oxygenation there. And it may be the opportunity that the drugs may need to be tweaked to increase their doses, or it may be that some other drugs are added in to help with better cardiac output as well. Okay, she does. I'm pleased to hear what you said with the, with the second option. She's um, of a night time for some, you know, whatever reason, if she does hear a noise or whatever, she just, like not for an hour but yeah. hours and hours and I, I just I can't settle her and her tongue goes blue and she's breathing like crazy and it's um yeah she she is a very anxious dog and she shouldn't be there's only her and I and yeah. she acts like she's frightened of me or sometimes and of she course. shouldn't be and, and remembering, though, that this is a, a syndrome we see in people as well. So um, human families are also living with people with dementia. Often the dementia patient is showing signs that are very unusual and have no real cause or reason for them to begin. Um, and we need to sort of understand that dogs are often doing the same in their brains as well as they're ageing. But, okay. but have, have a chat to your vet. The, the tongue going blue is, is letting you know that the oxygenation is poor. There's not yeah. enough oxygenation in the system. And there may be some other medications that could be helped to try and improve that oxygenation status and help your dog. Okay. Thank you so much. I N do appreciate it. No problems at all. Good luck, Leslie. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Steve from Shortland. And he's got an Indian ringneck bird who brought from Avery. It's in a cage and he wants some tips on how to quiet it down. Yeah, this... Um it was well. He's only supposed to be nine months old, and he was born and bred in an aviary. But I've got him in a cage at home, and you know, you go near him, and he just goes berserk. And I, 
and I'm worried he's going to fly around this cage and hurt himself. I feel like they go to feed him or give him water. And I've had him a couple of weeks, and I've been sort of sitting near him and standing near him, trying to get used to me. But I, I don't know whether there's any tricks or to, to sort of try and calm him down a bit and get used to people. Yeah, sure, Steve. So um, a couple of things. The the bird at this age will have sort of already got together some coping strategies to deal with its environment. And in an aviary, one of those coping strategies would be to fly away from what worries it. Now, in a cage, flying away is not helping. And so the bird now needs to have some time to learn uh, a new set of coping strategies to deal with things that are worrying it. So step one will be to try and have less things worry the bird. So what you would try and do is um, what we call desensitization. So initially you would be in the area of the bird, but not that close. So what you're trying to do initially is just have the bird see you, smell you, have you at a distance, but doesn't cause that startle response. So the startle response is when you get close enough to any animal that it has to either fight, flight or freeze. And so at the moment, what the bird's doing is actually trying to fly, trying to get away from the scenario. So um, being too close to the cage too soon will keep the startle reflex occurring. So what you need to do is take a step back um, as far as you can initially and just be around the bird in a location where the startle reflex isn't stimulated. And then what you do is using a calm voice, just let the bird know you're there, let you know that you're by your voice in a very sort of monotone, slow, quiet voice, letting the bird know that there's nothing threatening about you. And then you can also link that by um, then, um, if, you, if the cage has got a large enough area, you can sort of um, throw treats towards the cage. So you can throw seed towards the cage. Sometimes that can actually scare the bird more. But often it's about just trying to have the bird link your presence with not needing to get away. And then, oh, okay. e- then yep. each day, each week, depending on how long it takes to have this, this desensitization happening, you approach closer sit and again have the bird recognize you're there and by showing non-threatening behavior you'll then have the bird get to the stage where you can come quite close to the bird but it's known you for long enough but it knows there's no threat oh okay because I, I i got him outside under a carport which i cover him of the night and i put him on the side of the shed through the day but yeah like i pick his cage up and probably because i got my face sort of there he he carries on and but i've tried to be giving him like bits of apple and and um grapes and that and sticking them in the cage yep. to sort of think well Licking. I'm not going to hurt you, I'm going to feed yeah. you, but I don't know whether that's a... Because he gets a bit flappy when you do that too, so I don't know if that's a good thing or... Yeah, I think we may be trying too many things too quick. Oh, um, okay. And, and the second thing is that birds don't like to have their location moved around all the time. Oh, um, right. So So try and choose some locations that require less movement. Um, at least initially, because what the bird's trying to do is learn about are they safe in their current environment, what's around them that could get to them. So remembering these are birds now, you've had a large space and now you're in a smaller space, so there's there's lots of dangers that mean he can't fly away from. So what you initially need to do is try and have a space where the bird can learn from that environment that there's nothing to be scared of. Um, by constantly changing location, you're requiring the bird to keep learning something new. 
um, and and also the the action of movement in the cage can be quite threatening for them as well. So so try and find a location where the bird's benefiting from some sun and some shade, not not too much stimulus, but also enough stimulus to stop boredom, um, and and take this process a bit, I think a bit slower. I think you may be asking too much of the bird too soon to bond that quickly. Um, in that the age you've got the bird at is is sort of a maturity age rather than a fledgling. And so some of these behaviours are now going to be slightly slower to learn because of that. The parrot family are a very bright family. They will learn these things. Um, but you've just got to take it back a bit slower. And I think your reassuring with the treats is a lovely idea. But, but maybe just don't have too much direct contact too soon. Oh, OK. All right. Uh, that's been very, very helpful. Thank you very much. No problems. Enjoy your bird. Thank you very much. Bye. We've got Barb now from Maitland, and her, when she goes walking with the two puppies, they seem to be barking when they see other dogs. Hi, how are you going? Well, thank you, Barb. I have two adorable little fox terriers, and, and they're wonderful until we decide to go for a walk. They've both got their own little leads and their protection and everything. But we walk, 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 and having fun, and then we come across other dogs that are probably 20 times bigger, bigger than what they are, and they become really aggressive. They bark ferociously and try to get the other dogs. Now, how on earth am I going to stop that? Because we love to walk every as much as possible, really. Yeah, sure. Uh, what age are these two little dogs, did you say? Six and seven. Yeah, all right. So, and how long has the, the, the behaviour been happening for? Oh, since I've had them, they're adopted. Yeah, I thought that might be the case. So, Barb, yeah, we've, got a, we've got a challenging thing for you um, yes. in that you've got sort of dogs in their 40s to 50s who yeah. are being asked to change their behaviours that they've kept going for all these years that have kept them safe. Uh-huh. So okay. it's, yeah. it's going to take some time um, and have yeah. some realistic expectations that it may not change to what you'd like to do um, yeah. in that what they're doing is called fear aggression. Because they're nervous of the other dogs approaching, they've realised that they're on a lead. They can't run away if they wanted to. Freezing and not being found isn't helping. The dog can still see them. So they've only got bluff left. So what they're trying to do is look look as big and scary as they can because they know if push comes to shove and this dog does come for them, they'll probably lose the fight. The the other thing that's happening is that they're both together. Yeah. So when you've got uh, a, a second soldier by your side, your your sort of confidence is boosted that you might win this fight if you had to. So you go, yeah. right, I've got my buddy here with me. We're really going to try and scare this other dog away now. I've got oh. the, the capacity now that I've got another soldier with me. So if this dog comes, from, comes for me, I've got a second soldier. So you would initially need to engage uh, a trainer, I would think would be a great idea, Talk to yeah. your local vet about perhaps using some medications to try and help with the fear aggression, which is generally based on anxiety, and you would yeah. need to start walking the dogs separately. Oh, okay. In that yeah. what often happens is that that sort of pack mentality that kicks in when you get multiple dogs doing the same behaviour together um, is that yeah. you need to try and often break that. Um, yeah. And also it, it helps the dogs to learn some independence and some self-soothing um, capacities if they don't have someone next to them saying, come on, let's go, let's go. Um, yeah. And so there's a, 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 there are techniques you can use. 
Um, certainly talk to your vet about some behavior medication to help that learning process occur. Engage some trainers with you. They'll, they'll talk to you about obviously doing this as two independent walks rather than one. Um, yeah. And so that you've got the situation where both dogs are able to learn some independence. They're doing it because they're scared. Um, oh, I, and yeah. the, the, the second thing is they're also doing it because it's always worked. So yeah. when I barked and growled and carried on, no one hurt me. So I'm going to keep yeah. doing that next time because it was it was yeah. a successful um, behaviour. Oh, okay. Thank you. I thought they were just being naughty little brats. But no, that not, not naughty sense. brats. They're, they're, no, yeah. fortunately, fortunately, naughty isn't in their brains. <laughs> yeah. they, they do things as a reaction to their environment. And in this circumstance, Barb, they're both doing it to protect themselves. Oh, of course. That does make great sense. Thanks so much. No problems. Good luck. Bye-bye. Still got time for a couple more calls. We've got Colin from New Lambton and his Maltese Cross Shih Tzu suffers from separation anxiety. Hello. Hi, Colin. Yeah, how are you going? Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, look, um, my little friend uh, suffers from separation anxiety and what worries me is that um, uh, he gets, he sort of goes into a real little frenzy when I leave where I'm a retired man and we, we're together mostly 24 uh, seven. But when I leave, he goes into a, a, a little frenzy, like he jumps up barking and, and, and it's like a little squirrel and he tr- tries to grab my clothing to stop me. Mm. So I'm just uh, wondering if there's, you know, something I can do to, because yeah. it distresses me as well. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah, of course. So um, step number one, Colin, is have a chat to your local vet about perhaps starting some medication for the anxiety. Right. Um, in that what you're, we're, we're trying to do is improve the dog's feeling of safety. Right. So separation right. anxiety stems from a fear of risk uh, of injury or, or um, issues happening when they're on their own. So because the dog's got you, as you mentioned, fairly 24-7, there's been no sort of coping strategies created to deal with an absence. So Uh, what's what's happened is we haven't actually learned what to do to keep ourselves safe while you're away. And and you're 100% correct. He is trying to grab your clothes to have you stay. Um, The the frenzied behavior is a, is a, a, a true panic attack. This yep, is a situation yep. where the dog can't control its behaviour because it's really reached the threshold going, if I'm on my own, am I going to survive? Yeah. So yep, yep. so these these behaviours are felt very intensely by the dog, yep. which is why, as you mentioned, it, it's a true frenzy. And these, these panic attacks are obviously very distressing for the dog to deal with. So yep, um, yep. there are training techniques for separation anxiety. There, there are yep. lots of different ways you can try and work on this condition. Um, but certainly have a chat to your local vet. Often having some medication for anxiety on board as you're learning those new techniques and restructuring that brain to understand that, that being alone doesn't equal death um, yeah, is, yeah. A, is a, a good help to have that done and it helps accelerate the process. Yep, yep. Yeah, I, I, I have tried some coping strategies with him and uh, but, but without much success. But uh, I, I've had him 12 months and I got him from a young lass uh, who couldn't take him with her when she was moving. And he, uh, she had a flatmate, but they used to work during the day and left him for his own devices. So I guess it all stemmed at that stage. Um, 
um, being not not able to cope with um, with his anxiety. So it could uh, be also dogs who have a situation change um, learn a whole new strategy. So oh, right, okay. if, if yep. the dog had previously learnt, well, for these hours of the day, I'm going to be on my own. I, I might have developed my own strategies. Some right. dogs can be born with anxiety, but but yep. it could be that so uh, as as situations change, so do behaviours as well. Yeah, I, I, I guess uh, that that could be that he's sort of with someone twenty four seven now. Yeah, hundred percent correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. All right. I'll have a I'll have a chat with my vet and see if we can um, sort that out with some medication. Terrific. Firstly, yeah. Sounds like a good Look, plan, th- my friend. Yeah. Thank you so much. Good luck. Thank you. Bye bye. Cheers. Thank you. It is a pet chat on two and you are FM and time flies. It does. Wow. Busy day. And a time for a We'll have to talk about tongues again next week, Cheryl. Oh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have so many callers. So it was a lot of great callers today. Thank you very much, and we'll see you guys. Well, you see, Cheryl, you back next week? Next week, yes. And two weeks for me, I think. Two weeks, and I probably won't be here next week. Well, oh, thank you, Greg. Thank uh, you. Anytime, anytime. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.